Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher, author, and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. On this podcast, we read your letters, give you advice, and help you heal without shame. Before we get into this week's episode, I have a really exciting announcement. I wrote a book. It's called Unbroken, The Trauma Response is Never Wrong, and it is available for pre-order right now. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of your indie bookstores, wherever you buy books. It's about trauma, the trauma response, shame, and how to heal. I can't wait for you to read it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Welcome to the Trauma Tapes. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) I just hate February. I hate February. Yeah, we hated January, too. Well, and I know I hate March. (laughs) (laughs) We can't hate March this year because that's when the book comes out. So this is, this is triumphant March. Okay. And it's the 23rd? 14th. 14th. Where the hell did I get 23rd? Because it's 14, 2023. So it's 3, 14, 23. Oh, all right. The 14th. Okay. 14th. I like it. That's like right around the corner. I know it's less than a month away. Have you, so you, people are pre-ordering. Yep. You can pre-order anywhere you get books, your favorite indie, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, anything like that. Um, you can also, um, now you can do the look inside on oh, Amazon, how cool. which is crazy. Yeah. So you can actually read a couple pages if you want and people are starting to leave reviews because I've really? some galleys. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's so it's, exciting. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I'm going to do an eight week book club on it. So stay tuned for that. Okay. I think I pre-ordered from that um, independent bookstore near you. I think I pre, I can't remember, but I, yeah, yeah. now I need to like pre-order a case because I'm going to start handing them out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. How many are in a case? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you can get a case of books. (laughs) It's not like a case of beer. (laughs) That's so exciting. Yay. It's exciting. I'm really excited. I can't wait until it's out there. And I've been starting to be on other people's podcasts and stuff like that. I was on a podcast called health gig which was really fun a couple of weeks ago. And I'm going to be on Tammy Simon's podcast, March 1st. Uh, Tammy Simon is? Is the um, founder of Sounds True Publishing. Oh she God. founded it in the early 80s. Yeah. And she's phenomenal. Does an amazing interview. So I can't wait. That's super exciting. And Sounds True publishes who else? Um, everybody. Eckhart Tolle. Uh, I think the Dalai Lama, believe it or not, was on there. Like, <laughs> great. They shit. sent me this email at one point because they needed, they gave me like these samples for like, here's what your headshot should look like. Go get a real headshot. And it was like Brene Brown, the Dalai Lama, like. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> all these people. How so cool. Paul Conti is on Sounds True. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Lots of, lots of people. Um, Richard Schwartz, the IFS guy. Um, tons of people. So nice. I'm, Yeah. I've loved working with them. I'm super excited to to have it come out and see what happens. Yay. Yay. You put a lifetime into this book. I did. It's funny because it's like, you know, you go to talk about it and I, I wrote a lot of it in 2020. Yeah. Like the book publishing process is really long. And so it's like, wait, what did I, I had to, I literally had to go back and like reread it. Yeah. And pull things out and re-familiarize myself. Because in academic publishing, you publish something and then you just, you let it go. Like you do right. not ever think about it again. So you don't talk about it. It's like done. Right. Totally. Yeah. You yeah. might like give a paper about it at a conference or something or like use it, use it in your classroom. But other than that, that's it. Okay. So 
been a very different process, but I can't wait. So if you've been listening and you like what we're doing, the book is um, is pretty similar. It's it's accessible. It's um, client stories, neuroscience, and psychology to kind of understand and contextualize the client stories. And then there's a tool or two at the end of every chapter. And it's also part memoir. So you get to see a little bit of our story. A little glimpse. A little glimpse. Behind the curtain. Yep. Lisa read it. You're one of the only people. <laughs> I loved it. I, I read it so long ago. I, I need to read it again. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear your voice. I was just going to say, there's also going to be an audio version. So I'm, I'm actually super excited to listen to that because they do all sorts of fancy, like, you know, editing to make you sound professional. So that was super fun as, as like a, uh, an NPR kid, like yeah. that was like <laughs> peak. Like I am in front of this fancy microphone. Right. I've doing arrived an, doing an official thing. Yeah. Yeah. How cool. I'm excited yeah. for you. Me too. Me too. It'll be good. And I just started working on the next one. So officially, so the, the, there will be more, I have lots to say. You do. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking this week about like the places that shame hides and kind of like undercuts us. Okay. Because I think like when, you know, obviously the letter writers are writing us about shame that they know about, and we've been talking about shame that we know about and can see. And there's a lot there. Of course, we could talk about that for weeks and weeks and weeks and probably years. But I'm also thinking about the ways that, that, that shame shows up and keeps you small. Like Mm -hmm. I've been having a lot of conversations with clients in the last couple of weeks about why, like they kind of don't understand why they don't get to a level of success. Mm -hmm. And it's often because they're undercutting themselves because they don't see themselves clearly or they're, they've got like a financial shame. And so they don't put themselves forward. Do you know what I mean? Is that making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's hiding under like, yeah. Yeah. And I think like you see really clearly in those situations where you, the way in which shame is actually protective because it is trying to keep you small and safe because that's easier and less scary than making a big change or going out on your own, you know? Right. So like I have a client who wants to start their own business and is so beyond capable. It's like hilarious, but hasn't pulled the trigger because they're worried that they can't do it. And it's like there's shame wrapped up in previous projects that they've worked on. There's shame about putting themselves out there. There's fear of failure that's loaded up with shame from yeah. previous failures. You know, like there's it's it's super um, sticky. Yeah, I've been thinking. I don't know if this is similar, but I've been thinking after listening to the last couple of episodes, like how. And I think this is the same thing. Why the dating aspect always comes up? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why? How? Wh- how is it that we can be successful in our job uh, and our yeah. friendships, and then we turn into giant weirdos? Yep. When it comes to the dating world, like, why yep. can't we sell ourselves in that arena? Like, we can sell ourselves in the other arenas. Do you know why I think it is actually, I've been, I've been listening a lot to, um, Vivek Murthy wrote a book on loneliness that I've been looking at. Um, and I've been looking recently at loneliness and connection and like what that's about. And, um, I think we overemphasize romantic relationships (laughs) in our culture as if they are the only thing that gives us any value. Absolutely. And so you see this everywhere. Like if you're single, like it's like, there's a stigma with that. 
Right. If you don't have kids or if you're not married or if you're like with someone, but you don't live together, the people are like, why? Like there's this instant, you know, skepticism about your situation. And it's because we think like that being in a romantic relationship is the pinnacle. And if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what other successes you have because you're not actually successful. Right. And so we build in all this pressure. And then if we have any rejection or things go wrong, which of course they do, because people are so complicated and relationships are so hard, then we think we are a failure. And then we get ashamed of that and we try to hide it. Right. Right. And even when you do, if if you do wind up in a relationship, mm-hmm. then there are all these like, it's always the next thing. Like, you know. Exactly. You right. get engaged. When are you getting married? Get married. Right. When are you having kids? You have one kid. When are you having another kid? Well, mm-hmm. Like what, when are you, like where are your kids yeah. going? It, it, there's always, it's like chase. You just get into this like rat race. Totally. Kind of. Totally. Is your marriage, you know, healthy, happy? Do you do this? Do you like how often do you have sex? Like what? I mean, it's just like yep. one thing after another. There's so uh, the, much pressure. The measuring stick like is always there. Well, and it moves like you, right. you, right. You like meet one, one milestone and then it's like, Oh, well, what about this? Oh, have you been together this long? What do you do for your anniversary? So like, you know? right. And it's right. like, you know, we, there are other parts of life. Like, of course, having a partner is wonderful. It's not like I'm, I don't mean to like go to the other extreme and say it's not important. But I think when we over exaggerate the importance, we lose we, we, we lose a whole bunch of other aspects of life and we like, we front load this thing with all this potential. It's like anticipatory shame. If anything right. goes wrong in my relationship, I'm a fucking failure. Right. Which is true. Like, even if you don't have a catastrophic thing happen, but even if your relationship is just like suffering, right. You're like, I'm a fucking failure. And it's like, what is the deal? You know, it's, it's all of our messaging feels like it's coming from that place. Like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. 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 You know, are, are you meeting the, it's just, it's fascinating. Like if you kind of step back and look at it, you know? Yeah. There's like a shame machine. Yes. Yeah. And everything is getting fed into it. Right. Mm -hmm. From like, you know, how clean your house is to like, you know, the quality of what, I mean, wellness, that whole world. It's, you know, it's like, it's kind of insane. It's insidious. It's it's super insidious because the thing underneath it is that there's absolutely no acceptance. Right. There's no like, there's not even any questioning of like, what are you doing that is going well? Exactly. You know? There's no <laughs> like, counterpoint ever. Right. What in your life do you love? What are you excited about? Like that's right. that, that message is like completely missing. That's like not a sexy message that doesn't sell anything. No. So it, you know, it's, it's fascinating, but yeah, the whole like relationship thing, I think you're right. It's, um, and then there's the whole thing that you're not even supposed once you do have a partner, if you do have a partner, you're not supposed to be getting everything from that partner. Cause that's too much pressure too. Like, right. You know? Right. Well, and it's, it's fundamentally like precarious because then you end up, even if you are a best case scenario, getting everything you need from that person, then you're also operating under the awareness conscious or not that like, if you lose that person, you lose absolutely everything. Right. And so if you don't, if your life isn't filled out in any other way, you are foundationally unstable. Is it that like everything is kind of like tipped towards the external Mm -hmm. validation? Yeah. And also like the X, the measuring stick, like you said before, like I am okay if I meet this milestone. Right. 
And so we then end up chasing these milestones and not thinking really critically about what we're doing, whether we even want it. Right. And then we end up in a situation that we don't want to be in and then we can't get out of it because you can't, you know, and it's like, it's, there's shame everywhere. Yeah. There's a shame machine. There is a shame machine. And it's not, it's not our fault. I think like anything systemic, it's like this thing that's like kind of hovering above everything. And it's like, that's how marketing works. And that's how dating apps work. And that's how like our conversations with our friends work. And that's what you see on TV shows. I'm still like chilled to the bone about White Lotus. (laughs) Why? What do you mean? Just the way those people were living their lives. And I know it's supposed to be a social commentary, but I was just like, shooketh. (laughs) Season one or season two or both? Both. But season two is what's been sticking in my head just because I watched it recently, you know? Yeah. Just like that, that you, you, I don't want to give anything away. If people haven't seen it, go watch it. It was so good. Like, it is so good. So entertaining. But yeah. you're just like, this is how people live. Right. We could do a whole thing on shame in that, in that show. I love that show. Me too. Anyway, I just wanted to point that out that like shame, like anything else is only ever going to be partially conscious. And so there's going to be things that like it can shape your behavior without your conscious awareness that it's shaping your behavior. Yeah. Which sounds like a terrible thing to say. Well, I mean, and you could shine the light on it, but then it, you know, right. It takes another form. It it does. It's a shape shifter. (laughs) It's a shape shifter. And I think it's also important to remember again, I know I've said this a hundred times that it's trying to protect you. So if you can figure out what it's trying to protect you against, then you are better able to kind of, um, would it, you know, what is that when you take apart a bomb? Detonate. When you, no, like when you, oh, take is it that apart, blow up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like know. MacGyver, when they go in, they cut the right cords in the right order and the bomb, like, it doesn't go off. Diffuse. Diffuse? I don't know. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that word is, that is what <laughs> we're looking for. Okay. We have a letter. Wait, I just want to say one more thing. Yeah stupid, but I, like no. I've been re-listening and I keep saying that I'm listening to biographies. I'm listening to autobiographies. Not oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a dummy. Sorry. <laughs> Corrections corner. Correction. <laughs> okay. We have a letter. Okay. Okay. I sometimes feel like I'm too emotional for my partner and we often get into conversations about how I'm not him. I take offense to small jokes. I misread his facial expressions and I react to things that he says instead of respond. I find myself not saying or bringing up things about how I feel because I don't feel like he's handled my big emotions in the ways that I need very well in the past. I should say, I sometimes don't know what I need from him. I've done a lot of work with therapists and life coaches, finding my own inner voice and acceptance of my emotions so that I don't need validation and reassurance from outside sources, including him. This work has really helped me to understand and articulate myself. And in many ways, I've experienced a lot of growth and developed a love for myself and my emotions. However, when faced with questions from my partner as to why are you upset or why are you emotional right now, I just don't know what to say because I feel like he just doesn't get it. This is a huge source of shame for me. Okay. What's your initial? I, I feel like there are a lot of like, um, it, it's a lot of back and forth in this, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I've done the work and I understand and I'm still struggling in the yeah. moment. 
you know what I don't see is acceptance. Right. Like we, we can't do anything. I mean, let, let's bracket it out. Cause I want to talk about your partner in a second, but we can't do anything about them. But with, when it comes to you, like, it sounds like you are loading in a lot of these things with meaning before your partner's even involved. Yeah. So there's this feeling like I have, you know, she says right off the bat, like my emotions are too much. Right. So you're, you're putting that, um, meaning in before your partner even gets to weigh in. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And we often get into conversations about how I'm not him. You're not supposed to be him. Right. I think, um, I, I don't want to like kind of slam the reader at all, but this is exactly the reason why I get so nervous about the language around, like I've done the work. Right. Because we get this, there's shame in that sentence right? Which is that I, I've done this work. She says, I've done a lot of work, which the language of that is I've finished and therefore I should no longer feel. And this is the thing I'm always on this when it comes to healing. Like we have this idea, we set this goal for ourselves that like, I'll be cured when I don't feel. And that's not how our bodies and brains work. So we're setting ourselves up for failure. And then we continue to shame ourselves every time we feel And I think we do the same thing with this language around finishing. Like I've done work. I went to therapy. This is all in the past. As if you complete yourself and you never are going to have the issue again. Like you're in a relationship and you're a human being, which means you're going to have emotions. I would want to know how this is playing out, but go ahead. I have other things, but go ahead. I'm just, it's like, it's like saying I'm a professional athlete and I went to the gym and you know, right. I'm done the one but time. Yeah. You still have to play the game, you know? Oh yeah. Right. You still like, you're never done. I have done the work. Right. That sentence in and of itself is wrong. Right. Right. The language of it doesn't work. Yeah. You, you have, you, you have some level of knowledge mm-hmm. and you need right. to take that into your everyday life. Right. I, I, you know, I have worked the muscles at the gym and now I need to take that into the game. Right. Or whatever. I'm, right. I don't know why I'm saying an athlete is a. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I thought you were going to say like, if you go to the gym one time and you're like, why don't I have muscles? I did the thing, but it's, but I, I actually like the game metaphor better because it's like, yeah, when I went to the, I, I did the thing I went, I did the training, but like, okay, did you actually get in the ring and play? Cause it's a whole, a whole different story when you're in the moment. And every time you go to the gym, it hurts, right? (laughs) You know, it's supposed to, it's It's not like, okay, that muscle's done. You know, my bicep is developed and now (laughs) it's not going to work. And, you know, right, right, right. I I also want to go back. I want to circle back to the beginning of the letter because um, she says, I take offense to small jokes. I misread facial expressions and react to things that he says instead of respond. Um, I think, so let's reframe and say that instead of I've done the work, I'm on the path. Right. So you're aware of these things. And I just want to point out that most of the people out there are not even aware that they're doing any of these things. So the fact that you have any awareness whatsoever is huge. You're right that a lot of work has happened Mm -hmm. because you're at that stage. Um, The second thing I want to point out is that there are studies around trauma and facial expressions and things like this. People who have trauma in their past are more likely to read neutral as angry. 
Mm. across the board. So they'll show you in a study, they'll show you a whole bunch of pictures of people that have various emotional expressions on their faces and people who have had trauma have um, consistently across the board reported negative when the face is actually neutral. They actually see, and then there's fMRI studies about what's going on in the brain there too. And so um, what's happening is not small, even though you feel like the, the things that you're responding to are small. So I think the way to acceptance is to say like, okay, I, I sometimes misread facial expressions. What's there? Where is that coming from? Yeah. Because if you start with acceptance, then you can, then you can make a plan. If you start with shame, there's no moving forward. Right. Because what I hear in the letter is, and I shouldn't do that. I misread and I shouldn't, I react and I shouldn't. Right. Right. I'm not him, you know? Right. I also really want to know what this means. We often get into conversations that's in quotes about how I'm not him. Who right. are these conversations coming from and what's, what, what, what's the meaning, right? Because we don't hear a lot about how the partner is supporting you. Right. And I think we have this, Re, this is another really awful sort of misconception that we have about the work is that we do it alone and then we are fixed and co can go out into the world and just engage with people with total ease. And the work involves the people in our lives. Yeah. Like they are responsible. We hate this. And I think it's so terrible that we hate this, but if someone in your life is working on something and, and they're important in your life, you also have work to do. Right. Which, you know, it, do you, does that make sense? Like, yeah, it does. When you find yourself experiencing these things, just take a beat, just take, you know, you're yeah. not going to stop experiencing these things. Right. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, like I, I struggle when someone says to me, like, why are you upset? Like I often like have to take like a minute and like, or yeah. longer right. and think about it and yep. think about, okay. And, and sometimes it's the next day, like, okay, this is, kind of what was going on in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, sometimes I have to remove myself from the situation if it's heated or, or, you know, uncomfortable. Completely. And it's not like you get to the point where you, the goal is to not um, eradicate the, the feelings or the emotions. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I like I think rambling. The, no, I think the goal is to notice pause and then like the, the next thing, the next step is to ask yourself two questions. What's here? Mm -hmm. How does it change? Mm -hmm. What's here? How does it change? Right. And, and those questions have to be asked without shame. So let's say you get into an argument with your partner and you're, he says to you, why are you so emotional right now? And that causes a response in you. So you, you're at the awareness stage. That's awesome. Pause. Then turn to yourself and say, what's here? And then like actually notice what's happening. Are you getting, do you feel like there's a lump in your throat? Are you sweating? Did your stomach just turn over? Do you feel rage? Like, is your face red? Like actually ask the question and try to get data from your body. And then ask yourself, like, watch the feeling. How does it change? Mm -hmm. It turned from a little stomach flip to a stomach ache. It turned from rage to fear. Now I want to cry. Like, and I know that sounds counterintuitive because so much of what we do is try to manage and push away our emotions. But what this will accomplish is that you end up putting space between you and the feeling. And yeah. that's the piece that we miss so often because 
we pause and then we just say, okay, well, I pause. So the feeling's supposed to go away, but that's not how feelings work, right? They're right. biological events. So you have to go through them. And one way to do that is to kind of interrogate the feeling. Like, what is this? What's happening here? Interrogate's right. too strong a word because that sounds like a judge, judgy, but just like look at it like you're looking at a phenomenon outside of you. Yeah. And that then puts some distance between you and the feeling, which will then dissipate the feeling. Right. And then you can, um, you can kind of move on from there. I also think that like, why are you emotional right now is not a great way to ask that question. Can your yeah. partner? <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to think of a way to say that. Like your, your partner doesn't sound like they're right. being very nice in this situation, you know, right. unfortunately. Right. And maybe that's your interpretation of it. Maybe that's what's happening. I, maybe that's how it feels. I, right. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, yeah, go ahead, sir. But yeah, and you can you can work with your therapist or or a coach or somebody to figure out like what what do you actually need? What would actually be helpful? And she says in here somewhere she doesn't really know what would be helpful. I don't really know what to say because he doesn't get it. Like, can you come together and and think about how to negotiate this? Right. I hate using the language of business and relationships, but I think it's actually really helpful. These things are negotiations. When you have a thing. And we do it all the time in other smaller ways. We just don't like put so much shame and charge into it. So like dinner is often a negotiation. What we're going to do for vacation is often a negotiation, meaning like both people come to the table, say what they want and you compromise. Right. And hopefully you compromise in such a way that both people are satisfied. This stuff needs to be a negotiation too, right? So this is all I see in this letter is this is on me. I'm fucked up. It's me. It's my issue. I misread. I do, you know, I take these offenses. I do whatever. And it's like, okay, so we know that you've got, you've got hypersensitivity. And I say that at like from a clinical perspective, not like a judgmental perspective, you're a sensitive person that actually has a good flip side too, which we can come back to. And then, so what is he going to bring to the table? Okay. So if you're sensitive, can he stop making jokes right. that offend you? Can he give you a little bit of reassurance? Can he touch you on the shoulder when he notices that you're emotional instead of asking you in a way that feels judgmental? Right. Is there like a funny little kind of safe word that you guys can yeah. use to like bring in some humor? You know, that's a super powerful tool. It um, is. It really is. Because humor kind of takes away some of the power. Like what, I just want to know what work is he, I wish this person was here and we could ask these questions. Like what work is he doing? Why is it all on you? Right. Or are you not giving, I don't know, there's also a lot of like, he hasn't handled my emotions. Um, he doesn't get it. He, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right. Are, are you, could you come to right. that negotiation, you know, and, and maybe mm -hmm. your partner needs a little bit of grace. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. But, and again, like the negotiation has got to be on both sides. So if he is really uncomfortable with emotion, then what could you do to help him so that he doesn't feel overwhelmed? But right. Like, this, this has to be a back and forth. Um, and I think we don't talk about that enough because the way that we frame it up is that like, I have an issue, I have to fix it. Or you have an issue, you have to fix it. Instead of like, there's something happening in the dynamic. Right. What can we do to make us both more comfortable? Exactly. Exactly. It's not something that, right, that needs to be solved necessarily. It's just how the approach needs to be changed a little bit. Right, right. I also yeah. think like if you think about other relationships in your life, like going back to this thing about dating and shame, like, do you experience this with your friends? Do your friends handle your emotions more um, 
in a way that feels better. Right. Um, and then if that's the case, you can use that data to bring it into your romantic relationship and say, this is what my friends do. It, could you do any of these three things? You know? Right. Um, and the other thing is if there is kind of this, this hypersensitivity across the board and it's getting in the way, that's something to look at. Mm-hmm. What's underneath that? That's, that's a form of hypervigilance. Right. So is there, what's the fear beneath the fear there? Is it that you're going to be left out, that people are going to judge you, that you're afraid of loss or abandonment? Is it that you're, you're afraid that you're going to offend somebody and so you're not letting yourself be yourself? And when other people do, that kind of brings up a flash in you. You know, it could be a lot of stuff. Yeah. And this, I guess, goes without saying, but like you, emotions aren't anything to be ashamed of. They're, you know, that's right. They're, they're emotions and they're happening for a reason. I think I was talking to somebody the other day about triggers and I think triggers are really, because this is what I'm writing about right now. Triggers are almost impossible to talk about because we at the same time mean it's you and it's not you. Right. So if I'm triggered in a relationship right now, I'm triggered by something from the past, but the thing that has pushed the trigger is the person in front of me. And so you have to like have this like completely contradictory conversation with yourself and that other person that it's both them and not them at all. And how to navigate that is not something that we get any like education or help with. (laughs) That that makes my head explode. (laughs) But it's true, right? No, it is. (laughs) I think that's why it's so hard to navigate because it makes your head explode. Oh God. Then it's, the, it's the thing we don't. So stay tuned for my next book called Triggered <laughs> <laughs> where I will attempt to figure this out because it's, it's just, it takes, it blows up our lives. That requires like a whole different like approach. It does. It's a, you like have to have your feet in two different camps to do that. Like, Right. Well, it's, yeah. And that's like, this is the thing that's so interesting about, about trauma. And I, and I, I really want to get away from the the language where we, we just use the word trigger every time we're having a feeling when you were yeah. legitimately triggered, meaning you were having a wildly outsized response to the stimulus because of an unprocessed, unintegrated thing from your past, you are in two times at once. Like you are in the past and you are in the present at the same time. The person who's standing in front of you thinks you're fully in the present. You are not. Right. Like neurobiologically, this isn't like my opinion. This is a fact. Your brain is in two places at once. We can time travel. That's terrifying. And then we're expected to report in the present, everything that's happening in the present and the past in order to get the future outcome that we want. So it's like we're in three times at once. (laughs) <laughs> what is the movie that you loved so much with robin williams the time travel one holy oh, shit it's not time travel um yes it is isn't it no it's it's the afterlife um it's the myth of odysseus who goes to save i can't i can never pronounce it eurydice um do you know that myth no but you loved yeah. that movie as a kid i remember like the vhs know, tape I- See, this is like proof that we we do this more than once. Like, I'm just old. I'm older than you. <laughs> what do you mean? Because like, I liked that. It's it's called What Dreams May Come. And it's Cuba yeah. Getting Jr. and Robin Williams. And it is devastating. Like, it's a devastating movie. That we do life more than once? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I think I'm I'm an old soul. Because I was a little kid and I loved that. 
I know when you were talking about it's not well I guess it's not time travel but like that's what came to mind like you as a little kid like were obsessed with that movie yeah wow. and this, the the storyline is that is it it mirrors the this myth where Odysseus loses his partner Eurydice which I think I'm mispronouncing and she goes down into the underworld and is in hell and yeah. he goes to save her and the gods say you can go down there and get her but when you come out of the underworld, you cannot turn around and check if she's if she's there. And there's, of course, with any myth, there's different endings to the myth. But if he turns around, then she will be banished to the underworld forever. And oh. the underworld is her personal hell. Like, it's like everything she is afraid of. So, like, when you're, I don't know how old I was when that movie came out, like, nine? Yeah. Probably. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Why was I resonating with that? I don't know. Because you've been here before, like you said. I think <laughs> I think so. I'm like wow. a thousand years old. I really need a facelift. <laughs> Stop it. All right. Sorry. We just went down a rabbit hole. I no, apologize. but I think that is that is really important because I think it validates how hard this shit is. Like sometimes we're like, okay, I'm triggered. Everyone knows what that means. How do I fucking fix it? And it's like, well, you're time traveling. So maybe cut yourself a little bit of slack because it's really hard. There is no fix. There's only awareness. There's no fix. Well, there's awareness and I think we can navigate better. We I think can. there's no there's no completed like I have fixed it and it is done and it will never come up again. But I think right. we can figure out how to how to engage with it in a way that feels more that is more productive in the moment until the next moment comes along. Right. And then you have to do it all over again. Right. But I do think we get better. Yes. You like, can I be the Tom awesome. Brady of this in your life. Right. <laughs> are you? I don't know. I live in Boston. It wears off after a while. Sometimes I, um, I will be like talking with a client and some, like, I, I, I'm convinced this is some kind of like transference. I will use like a, like a car mechanic example. And I'm like, this is you, like, this is not coming from me. <laughs> right. You have a mechanic in your life. You're a mechanic, or this will make sense to you. But like, I have no idea what I'm saying. Right. You're like a medium in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> Because the metaphor will just come to me and I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but let's roll with it. Right. <laughs> and then the person will be like, oh, my grandfather was a mechanical engineer. Oh, see, maybe I'm psychic as well as an old soul. We're getting really woo woo. <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. So okay. three steps, be kind to yourself. Try to come to this with acceptance. Um, pause. And, you know recruit your partner and see if there's anything that he can do to meet you halfway. If he hasn't already. Yep. Good advice. Okay. Do you have a tiny little joy? I do. It's stupid. It's not stupid. I brought it into the room. The what? It's, just, it's this cream. You've done this before. I have. Probably. I think so. No, I haven't. I think so. I just started using it. How can that be possible? Oh, really? I, have? I don't know. Maybe there's a different one. It's February. Moisturizer is a good <laughs> tiny little joy. So I started using this stuff because I read <laughs> some article. <laughs> Sorry. You're holding it up like a raccoon. Like, I have a prize. Like I, found it, I found it in the trash. <laughs> uh, well, I did. I found it under the sink, under, under Brent's sink, because he like, buys all this stuff. And I get mad that he buys too much of it. But oh, I funny. covered it. 
And now I use it before I go to sleep at night and it's like life-changing. And it's like CeraVe moisturizing cream you could buy it like at CVS. I'm all about like the drugstore stuff and mm-hmm. not spending tons of money on yeah. stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. Which is marketing and, you know, yeah. whatever. Shame. Yep. Yeah. If you want to buy it, it makes you happy, like good for you. Right. But like I'm at right. the point in my life where like it doesn't work and I'm not doing it anymore. Right. And finding the giant tub of CeraVe under the sink and using that and having like a good reaction makes me happy. What is it? What does it do for you? It just calms everything down. And it's like this like layer, uh, like a moisture on your skin at night. Um, and it, do you put it everywhere or just your face? Just my face. Okay. Just my face. I'm having major dry skin problems. So this is actually great. Get it. It's, That'll be it's my a giant tub, 16 ounces. That's huge. And it's, it's inexpensive. So you can like rub it into the walls <laughs> if you want to. Do an interpretive dance in the shower, <laughs> pulling it everywhere. Right. It's not precious. <laughs> okay. My I'm tiny sorry, little joys. I've done awesome. it before. No, it's funny. It's it's super funny. I think like that's the other thing is that tiny little joys repeat and that's okay. Yeah. It doesn't have to be new and shiny every week, you know? Right. Mine is those little, I don't know if you, I don't, I should go get it as so I have it in the fridge. Those little immune immunity, like little oh, you love shots. Those little things. I do that you get at Whole Foods. That's yeah. like. <laughs> I don't know if I'm like reliving my college days because it's like a little, it's like a little tiny, whatever, three milliliter, I don't know, milliliters. It's like a it's little like a tiny, nip. it's like an actual shot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like cayenne, ginger, um, turmeric. It's like nasty yeah. and like pepper, like yeah. black pepper and echinacea or something like that. Everyone's been sick around here. Like it's like the the time of sickness, everyone has a cold. And I'm like, I get these things and like shoot them back and they burn your throat and they burn your stomach. And it's like, a, it's like taking a shot of like Sambuca or whatever at the bar. But I'm like, ah, my immune system is pumped up. It, it probably doesn't do shit, but it makes me feel like I'm healthy. <laughs> like, I've done the thing. I, it's like, it's like, I don't know, having like a coat of armor. So that's my tiny little joy. I think that w- there's like an Irish Catholic thing in there. Like if, if something <laughs> has to like hurt and be painful <laughs> in order to have value. <laughs> I have suffered today. Therefore <laughs> I am good. Exactly. I'm going to whip myself with the, the whatever the thing. Yeah. Yeah. What do you call that Emily. No, that's like you set yourself on fire. <laughs> What's yeah, the- that too. <laughs> What's the flogging? Like, yeah, but you do it with like the scratchy thing on your back. Well, yeah, there has to be a little bit of like pain involved. A little bit of pain. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, this is good. Yeah, (laughs) this is going to (laughs) work. I'm going to text you tomorrow and be like, I have a cold. You do love those things. Last time I I came to visit, you like had one in the car for me. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Here, take this. You just got off the plane. Did I really? Yeah. Can't hurt, right? <laughs> Listen, it can't hurt. All of those things are anti whatever the hell, anti inflammatory, anti bacterial, yeah. anti whatever. I don't know. Yep. I you did that one. saying like like if there was anything that were like germs or like she didn't wash like a piece of fruit, she'd be like, That's what your immune system is for. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that line? Yes. I forgot about that until just right now. Yeah. That's what your immune system's for. Yeah. Meanwhile. Right. 
How'd that work out for you, mom? Yep. Oops. <laughs> That's what you're mean. But it is true. You need some exposure to stuff. Dirt. Dirt germs. and germs and yep. Yeah. Give your immune system something to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Please share it with a friend. We would love new followers. And um, if you find any value in this, send it along to one person. Just hit that copy, paste, text it to a friend. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Bye-bye.